So welcome if you're visiting with us. We're so glad that you've taken the time to join us at One Heart and I pray that you experience something of the presence of God by being in church and hope that the Lord really speaks to you this morning. Uh, I want to do a special shout out to Geordie and Jazzy and Oakley. Uh, it's his second time in church. I wasn't here last week so great to have you here this morning. He's out having a lunch. Oh no, it's just at the back there. There you go. Great to have you guys with us and I see Noah Garraway here. Great to see you, Noah, back in town. Uh, let's, give, uh, let's give Oakley and Noah a, a welcome this morning. <coughs> Anyone else? So good to be in the house of God today. So um, what are we up to? We had a great service in the first service and I uh, really believe that this service, God's going to speak to people and really touch your lives. We're going to have a moment at the end uh, where we pray with you if you need prayer for anything. So if you need prayer, come out and let us pray with you and believe with you for God to touch your life. If you remember, oh, well, I've been away for the last two Sundays. I've been, I, I preached in uh, a couple of churches in the Adelaide Hills, uh, one on the first week and one on the second week I was away. And uh, it was just so good to, to um, you know, be, encouragement, be an encouragement to those churches. But uh, last time I preached here, I spoke about three levels of influence that the church has in the world. Who was here for that message? Who can't remember what happened two weeks ago? It's like a long time ago. Yeah. Get the podcast, you'll, ha- you'll get it all there. <clears throat> but uh, I want to do an extension to that message. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So, What I want us to to see today is heaven's agency on earth is the church. Heaven's agency to the world is the church. And you are the church. So wherever you are, you are the church, as it says there in Ephesians, with a rich variety of wisdom. So you might be thinking, well, I don't feel very wise. I don't seem to have the answers to anything. But the world needs you to be the agent of heaven around you. So even in your, your lack of knowledge, even in the things that you think, well, I, I don't know if I can really make a difference or help anybody, God has put something in you that can make the difference in the world around you. So this is about taking the gifts of the Spirit into the world. So I guess it's not bad to use the gifts of the Spirit in the church, and we need to do that, But more importantly, we need to take the gifts of the Spirit that God puts in us into the world in which we live. That's the whole purpose of why we come together is to be filled again, to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be motivated, to make a difference to the world in which we live. So Jesus had in mind that people find salvation and are saved and we give people that opportunity you know, practically every week in this church that people can make that decision to ask Jesus into their heart. But Jesus' plan to reach the world is through the church. The church has a vital part to play in the world. So we can't change anything when the church is invisible. So the title of my message today is Unmasked because we want to be the church that is unmasked, not invisible, but highly visible and highly effective in the world around us. <clears throat> so our main scripture today is Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8, but 
from all my points, there are a, quite a number of scriptures. They're not all going to be on the screen, but I'll, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot them all down, write them down, put them in your phone, whatever you have to do, and look into them yourselves for deeper study. But, it, but uh, Romans 12, verse 6 to 8, it says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with such faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. Uh, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it, is giving, uh, if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. See, <clears throat> we often use the word grace in church as a concept that we understand as, uh, that saves us, that God's grace, God's unmerited favour to us, brings us out of our sin into God's favour. Um, but another part of grace is the gifts that God gives us for a purpose. So if I'll just, grace not only saves you, but gifts you, gifts you with a purpose. So God wants to bring you out of, your, out of your sin life and he wants to gift you with a purpose for a new life. So that's such an encouragement to me to know that every single person that God calls, he gifts. He gives a gift of strength to benefit the world, to benefit others. So Abraham Lincoln put it like this, whatever you are, be a good one. I love my quotes. I always like to try and find a quote uh, wherever I can. But that's probably one of the, uh, uh, a really, really great one today. Whatever you are, be a good one. So the most exciting project of your life is to connect your gift to the church. That is the most, the, the most exciting project of your life. You might think, well, I've, I've built bridges, I've fixed cars, uh, I've worked on housing projects or whatever. Your greatest project is, is to connect your gift to your local church. It's a powerful thing. So today, we want to unmask the grace gift like unmasking to see your real face. We want to be the church of Jesus Christ that is unmasked, that others can see Jesus in who we are and what we do. So there's seven core values that we just saw in Romans. They're not in order of importance, but they, they, we've, I've just followed the order that they appear in the Bible. And um, these gifts are things that God has uh, placed upon people. And these gifts are in you. Maybe you don't know that yet, but I hope that today it may spark something, some inspiration within you that you say, Jesus, I want to I find those things. I want to uncover them. I want to unmask the gifts in my life. I know one other announcement I need to make is, is Narelle and Michael uh, it's their last Sunday as, as single people because next Saturday they get married. <clears throat> so congratulations, next Sunday you'll be married. You'll be Mr. and Mrs. Oh, where do we take that? Huh? So the first thing we see there is the gift of prophecy. So 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 to 5 I want to encourage the prophets here today. So it says, the first key I want you to see here is, it says, desire the gift of prophecy. It is a good thing to desire the gift of prophecy in our lives. 
Um, the second thing we see there is prophecy strengthens the church. So we're seeing a maturing in the church in these days that gives greater depth to the ministry of the prophet, uh, greater clarity, um, greater perspective for the church is given when we have the prophets operating where they should. I believe that the prophetic voice should work politically, should be preempting things politically, socially, economically, spiritually, and that we be preemptive in the church's response to things because we've been prophetically prepared. So <clears throat> I think if we see in the New Testament, it says in the book of Acts, there was a, there was a, a famine coming. The prophets spoke of the famine and they said they began to raise funds to support the church through that famine period. And I believe that's a, the type of, of uh, economic prophecy. And we want to see that kind of maturing in the church of the prophets that, uh, that, that go to a higher level. See, prophecy, I think at, at the base level, at the, at the very, uh, um, uh, I don't know, very lowest level, is viewed as a form of Christian fortune-telling. And I know many, many times if you want to fill your church service, you say, we've got a prophet coming to town. And so everyone comes because they want to get a word. And, and if you're like me, you'd, you'd, you'd have your, your bright-coloured top. I had quite a few. I had, about, I had three or four. I had this bright pink wind cheater. that was like glowing pink. I was a real man. I had a blue one. And I had a yellow one, and I knew if I had a, if there was a prophet coming to church, you put that baby on one of those, and you're going to get a word. You'll be first off the rank. They go, that guy there, that idiot with a pink jumper on. God's got a word for you. Take it off. No, it wasn't like that. <clears throat> but, but, but we shouldn't view the word of prophecy as a form of Christian fortune telling. Lord, I, God, I need a word, I need a word. I'm going to go to the church, and the prophet will give me a word. And we want to have some, some uh, a quick and easy formula to help us follow God or to show us what we ought to do or to show us what is in us. So the, 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 the work of prophecy is to be used in conjunction with what God is speaking to you through the word and through prayer, through your Bible time. God wants to, to bring things to your attention and clarify those things and remind you of those things through prophecy. See, prophecy is the path of God revealed and confirmed. Uh, Revelation 19 verse 10 says, For the essence of prophecy is to give, to give a clear witness of Jesus. Now, where we need to have uh, the prophecy uh, that, that is for individuals is particularly for those who are new in their faith or come into the house of God with no faith whatsoever and a word of knowledge or a prophecy is spoken over their life that suddenly makes them realize God knows who I am. And God has revealed something about myself that nobody else knows, but now I know that God knows who I am. And that's what God wants to use in the, the, those who are far away from God, who, are, who, are, uh, who may be unbelievers. God can use a prophecy at that level. But it, it would be... Um, I guess, immature of us as believers to say, oh, I'm, ch I'm challenged in some way. I'm not sure what God wants me to do, so I need to get the word of a prophet to tell me. That's immaturity. And we want the prophecy gift in the church to rise, to rise higher, to be mature, to go to other levels of 
you know, to speak politically, to speak socially, to speak economically, and be spiritually preemptive by a word from God through the prophet. Does that make sense to you today? So prophecy is a very, very important gift to the church. And I want to awaken in people today the, the, the office or the gift of prophecy in your life that God is going to speak through you to encourage and bless others. <clears throat> the second thing we see is service or serving. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says Jesus came to serve, not to be served. So Jesus gave, gives us a whole new perspective on that word serving because we have a, 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 a condition in our mind, condition thinking, where we think when we get to the top of the stack, everybody serves us. And Jesus could have come and said, hey, I'm, a, I'm a, the highest on the stack. Everybody serve me. But what Jesus was, was explaining to us was to be the greatest, we need to be the, the lowest. We need to be the one who serves. So I'll explain this uh, as we go. So the first thing we see, Romans 12 verse 11 says, if you're going to serve, serve enthusiastically. It's, you know, have you ever had to work with someone who's not enthusiastic? And, and you're saying, we just want to unpack these boxes. We just want to do this or that. And they're like, it's like they've got a hunchback and a broken leg. And they're just like, everything's in slow motion. There's no enthusiasm. Serve with enthusiasm. Serve with a willingness. Uh, you know, and it, it goes through every part of your church. You can, you can vacuum the carpet with enthusiasm or you can vacuum it with a bad attitude. We want to be serving with enthusiasm. Second thing we want to see here is serve the Lord it says in 1 Corinthians 7.35, it says, serve the Lord with, without distraction. How often are we distracted from the purpose of God for our life? We're thinking, well, there's so many, so many ways. You know, there are daily things that can distract you from living out serving God. And we need to discover ways to rein in the distractions and allow God's ministry to be outworked through our lives. Now, the, 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 the gift of serving covers every other gift that we're going to talk, that we're going to look at, and we want to use every gift to serve the Lord. So serving is like an overarching one. So whether you're a prophet or, or you're a teacher or whatever else, whatever other gift is at work in your life, serve God with it. Serve the church with that. Serve others. <clears throat> Matthew 25 verse 40 says, Jesus said to the least of these, if you give them just a cup of cold water, if you give it to the least person, you're doing it to me. And so we need to realize if, if we're making coffees or, or we're going across the street to talk to our neighbor or whatever it is we're doing to serve others, we're serving Jesus in that. Third thing, teaching. Romans 15 verse 4, teaching is a, a gift to the church. It says, teach the word of God. One of the things that I think we have a deficit in the world today, in the church today, is um, uh, uh, that we don't know what the word of God says. We don't know the Bible. And so today we have, we have issues, we have, we have current uh, affair things that, that are happening in the world. The, the really big one at the moment is the abortion uh, deal in America and the, the turning of, of an old law that then... Uh, you know, up, upturned the right for abortion for, for the US. And this is you know, spread across the world. It, it's, it's, a, it's an issue in Australia. It's an issue in Europe. 
places far removed, but people are all agitated about that issue. And, and, and the church needs to have a voice in these areas because you know, I've heard Christians, people who've, who've been in church all, all their lives practically, saying things and making comments about, well, you know, th- that's okay to, to allow anyone who wants to to have an abortion. But what we need to say is we need to teach the word of God over every issue in our life. And this is not judging those who may have had this. We, we want to love people. We want to help people. We want to help people to heal and grow beyond these things. But when we understand what the word of God says about the unborn, it says in Jeremiah that I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. That goes beyond the womb, but before you're, you're conceived. And, and David says, the, the Lord knew me, knit me together in the secret, in, in, in the womb before I ever saw the light. Uh, yeah, the, the Lord knew who I was. And so we need to have a, a biblical perspective on these issues. And we can't get that if we're ignorant to it. So we need to know the Word of God. We need to teach the Word of God in our church and know the balance of the Word of God in issues that face the world. The world, I mean, the church can't be invisible or silent in these issues. So <clears throat> what I want us to see is we need to teach the Word of God. Romans 5 verse 4, uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, 2 Timothy 3.16, all encourage the Word to be taught. Second thing we see, Romans 5 verse 14, Colossians 3.16, says teach each other. We need to teach each other what the Word of God says. Remind each other of the Word of God. And, and I'm not saying that, that we just go off what we heard someone else tell us. You've got to invest your life in learning so that you can teach the Word of God. And the last thing that teaching does, it, it perfects the church. Colossians 1 verse 28 says, when we teach the Word of God, it perfects us. It, it, it corrects us. It builds us. Teaching corrects, inspires, directs, and protects. The word of God will come out of your mouth when it is in your heart. And we need to get the word of God, you know, past our ears, past our mind, into our heart. Because then without it in our heart like that, it can be very harsh. It can be very uncaring. It can be very uh, unfair. But we want to have the love of God flowing through us to the world that brings healing to others not condemnation. So the next thing we see is encouraging. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Romans 15 verse 14 says uh, that the scripture brings encouragement. So we need to realize that, that the gift of encouragement can be brought to your heart, brought to your life through the scripture, through the word of God. Uh, Romans 15.32 says encourage each other. And we need to discover ways in which we can encourage each other and find others who can encourage us because there are so many ways where we become discouraged through life. We are easily discouraged. So it is important to have those who encourage us and choose to be one who encourages the discouraged. So there's a time in the Bible where David was incredibly discouraged. While they were out, he had, he had a, like a, a rebel army kind of thing. They were out attacking their enemies. And while they were out doing a raid, someone raided them. And they come home from their, from their raiding party and they find their houses are burned, their, their families are gone, 
all their, all their farms have been robbed. <clears throat> and it says that, the, that his men talked about stoning him. That's always a f- great first response when something goes wrong is to kill the leader. Works every time. Like, yeah, well, crash the car, kill the pastor. Got the electricity bill? Ah, kill the pastor. So that's a go-to in many instances when things go wrong is to punish the leader. And that's what they're doing. They're saying, well, guys, look what's just happened. I think David's got to go. It's like it was his fault. It's like he had nothing to do with it. But it says in that time, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, I'm not sure how he went about that. Maybe he, he went out to a quiet place and began to worship. And, and began to play some music and, 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 and began to focus his attention, worshipping the Lord. I don't know. Maybe he, he got some scripture and began to, to speak over himself the word of God. Again, I'm not sure. Maybe he found a, a, you know, a, a, a priest and said, priest, will you, will you get the ephod and will you intercede for me? I'm not too sure how he did it. But what we do know is he strengthened himself in God and went back and showed leadership, and they got all, they went after the enemy and got all their stuff back. But choose to encourage others, not discourage them. Number five is generosity. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, The generous will prosper. It says, Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. See, generosity gets a kick out of giving. There's a thrill to giving when you're a generous spirit. I had a friend at school called Ron, and he had a generous spirit. I was the opposite spectrum. I was a stingy. <clears throat> so if I had twisties, I'd have them in my jacket pocket. He would never know. I'd sneak them in my mouth. He doesn't know. But Ron would always, if he got twisties, he'd say, come on, let's go to the tuck shop and, and let's get some twisties. And everything he had would be shared. Let's get some lollies. Get, let, let, you know, let's get a pie. We'll cut it in half. Everything he did was always to share. It was always through a perspective of generosity. So generosity has a pleasure all of its own. And I remember, I've said this here before. One day the teacher got Ron and she got him in front of the class and she said, she, she told him, Ronald, you can't buy your friends because he was generous with everybody. You can't buy your friends, Ron. So, and then she tells all of us, you've got to stop not basically sponging off him. Your kids, you know, because Ronnie's always doing something nice for everybody. And the, the thing is, is he, generosity doesn't ask for anything back. I don't ever remember Ronnie saying, oh, you know, I bought the twisties yesterday. I, I paid for your lunch. We went to the shops and we, we did this. He never entered his mind because he had a generous spirit. Even as a, as a kid in grade four, he had a generosity gift on his life that, that never said, well, I'm counting the cost of this. How much did you just have? How much did you just eat? And, and you know, it didn't matter what. He was just like, if he could help, he would. It's just a spirit that was upon him. And generosity is a virtue of selfless motives. So, you, so there is a selflessness to generosity. It's not about money. It's not about things that you have. But it's an attitude of life that causes you to give of yourself to benefit others without expectation of return. Because that is, whoever knows that it's really, it, I guess it's a bikey culture 
Sorry, Al. But there is a bikey culture that we don't want in the church that says everything comes at a cost. Everything comes at a cost. So if you have a good, a, a good turn done for you, don't think that's the end of the story because you have a whopping big payback for that good deed. And so we don't want to have that kind of a culture. We want to have a generous culture as a virtue of selfless motives. It doesn't say, well, now you've you got to owe me back. It's saying, I, I have a generosity of spirit that just wants to be a blessing. And we want to be seen. We want to unmask One Heart Church to the community of Port Lincoln and the Lower Air Peninsula that we are a generous people, a generous church. It is a blessing to the community and where we live. I'm going to ask the, the musicians to come and join me for the next two, the last two points. <clears throat> Proverbs 28, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Luke 22, verse 26, all talk about leadership. Leadership, I think, is probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in our Christian environment. But a few things. Wise leadership brings stability. Leadership brings stability and leadership can bring great instability. But wise leadership brings stability. Leadership is a gift. You know, it is a gift to the church. I know there are many, many uh, places and churches, their biggest issue is they may have a pastor, but they don't have a leader. And you need to have a combination of both. We need to have leadership in the church. So Jesus demonstrated a thing called servant leadership. I spoke about this earlier. Where to be, he said, to be the greatest leader, you've got to be the greatest servant. What does that mean? So leadership is, misre is misrepresented by a demand to be served. Leadership comes at a cost of personal sacrifice. So to be the leader, you've got to have made sacrifices along the way that have qualified you for that place of leadership. And it's not a pyramid so that you climb to the top and then others give you gifts and, and serve you and, and do whatever they want for you. It's a, it's a matter of serving others, perhaps in a different way, but it's always about giving and serving others with that gift of leadership. The last point is kindness. And I've slashed that and, and, and also translated that word as mercy. Galatians 5.22, Proverbs 3.3 and Proverbs 11.17. Kindness or mercy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in us. <clears throat> I grew up around the streets. We lived on the street, we're always out in the streets. And we figured out where the kind people live and where the mean people live. And, and we knew where we could get pencils. We knew where we could get, you know, stuff. And we knew where to avoid. And we want to be known as a church that is kindness and mercy focused of others <clears throat> it says in Luke 10 30 that we should show kindness with gladness gladly we know the story of the good Samaritan that's uh, Luke chapter 10 the good Samaritan and, and it amazes me when I watch the news there'll often be reference to good Samaritans I think that's amazing from the world they'll say oh you know there was a, there was a car accident or there was you know, something happened here or there, but a good Samaritan came along and think they don't even know what that is. 
It's a biblical concept. It means a foreigner, someone from another culture has seen the need and gone out of their way to assist. In the story there in Luke chapter 10, it says a man was, was beaten up and robbed, left for dead on the side of the road, bleeding and hurt. You know, various people walked past, looked at his condition and kept walking. But it says a good Samaritan, a foreigner, that's what a Samaritan is, a foreigner, came and says he, he bandaged him, put some betadine on him, gave him some soda water and, and took him to hospital. That's what we're talking about here. Kindness is doing for others what you want others to do for you. Kindness shouldn't be interpreted as weakness or easily pushed over. <clears throat> so we shouldn't, we shouldn't think that if I'm kind, what's people going to think? Have kindness with good motives. Just want to help people. Doesn't mean that you, you have to be pushed around by them. But today, we want to unmask the grace gift in the church. Just like unmasking to see your real face, and we know all about masks. We've, I've, I've had about you know, so long, with, I didn't know what a lot of people looked like. I didn't know what Headley looked like until just a few weeks ago. The whole time he'd been here, he wore a mask. <coughs> but you benefit the church benefits and the world benefits when we see and operate our grace gift when they are unmasked and the church needs to be unmasked we can't change the world when the church is invisible and we need to be unmasked to the word of God we are the agents of heaven to the world we are the agents of heaven to Port Lincoln prophecy serving teaching encouraging generosity leadership kindness are to be discovered and unmasked and activated in our personal lives. Can we just stand together today, please? <clears throat> I do want to pray for a, a response to the message here today. <clears throat> because some of us have never been able to see the gift, the spiritual gift that God wants to operate in our lives. We just don't know that it's there. We've never even thought about it. Today, Jesus wants to uncover, wants to unmask that gift. Firstly, so that you can see what that is. And secondly, so that others can see it. We're going to pray for that in a moment. Now, some here, you're so discouraged. It's deeper than tired. But you're just discouraged with life. You're just, you know, tired of everything. And you need the spark of the Spirit again to re-energize your life, re-energize your thinking and your focus. And some of us desire to be effective for the Lord. You know you've got gifts. You know God has called you. You know that there's a purpose behind you and you're committed to the things of God. But today you just want to be more effective at using your gift and finding ways to outwork that. So today I want to pray for these things. So why don't we just close our eyes and if there's some area that I just mentioned that, that means something to you, then give the Lord a sign. Raise a hand, bow, whatever it is you think you need to do. But say, Jesus, I, I want to break through this morning. I want, to, I want to take what I've heard and want to do something with it today. So Jesus, we just pray right now. Lord, we ask that you help people who need to see that 
to see the gift in their life. Lord, open our eyes. Take away the mask that prevents us from seeing and prevents others seeing us. I just pray today, Lord, may we see, may there be people here in this room that go away today suddenly seeing the gift that you've placed upon their life, that they may use it effectively. Lord, we pray also for the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, to come and refresh our souls today. Come and fill us afresh, fill us anew, fill us again with the things of the Holy Spirit. You're the counselor, Lord. You're the counselor, Holy Spirit. Begin to counsel our souls. And I pray, Lord God, that discouragement will evaporate and will be encouraged in the house of God this morning. And Lord, I also pray, Lord, as we offer up to Jesus those things that you have invested in our lives, those gifts. And Lord, I pray that we may invest in them in others. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> invest them in the church. Invest them in the house of God. And invest them into the community all around us, wherever we go. So we just pray that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Just while we're here in this, in this moment, I just want to ask if there is anybody here today, just perhaps if we close our eyes, but remain standing. If there's anyone here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never had the opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart, you can do that right here today. I'm going to show you how. See, Jesus in this life was sacrificed as a substitute for our sin. And when we ask Jesus to forgive us and cleanse us and live in our heart, Jesus described that as being born again. The old life is gone, a new life, a new spiritual life has begun. You can do that today. And the first step in that is to ask Jesus to to be your Lord and Savior, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins. I've got a prayer. If we just open our eyes on the screen. And I believe this is a first step on a spiritual journey uh, of becoming a Christian. So I'm just going to ask that we pray this together this morning. And if you're praying it for the first time, I just want to say, God bless you. It's the best prayer that you'll ever make. And I want to invite you to let Jesus to be your Lord and Savior as you pray. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.